Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Area 13 podcast. This is not only in audio format. This video is going to be on YouTube as well. So you can listen in on your favorite podcasting platform or app, or you can also watch this conversation on YouTube if you'd like. Once again, I'm Kyle Chidock, the owner of Area 13, and today I want to share with you 10 different tools that I think are important to have for your electric bike, not while you're riding, but things you should have at home in your garage just in case you need them. So tool number one on my list is definitely the most common thing that you're ever going to use. And to be honest, it would be handy while you're out riding. But here's why I want to differentiate tools that you carry while riding versus things that you have at home in the garage. Because sometimes tools that are the best tool for the job vary depending on the circumstances. The best tool for tightening a stem while I'm out riding is not only one that can tighten the stem, but it also can be compact and fold up into you know a saddlebag but a better tool that's a little easier to use if you're using one all day long in a shop scenario uh, would be like a T-handled Allen wrench or hex head wrench. So two different tools, they do the same thing, but they do it in slightly different ways and one works better in one circumstance and one works better in the other. Now I've already done a podcast, although it was quite some time ago, about tools that I recommend you carry while riding This list of 10 tools is very specific to things that I think you should have at home. They are very useful, but you're probably not ever going to need them, or very rarely would you ever want to have them on your bike at all times. It would just be unnecessary to carry these around all the time. This is one of those things where, yeah, there might be an emergency circumstance, but that would be the rare, rare exception. Things like patch kits, uh, tire irons, those are all things you should have in your tool bag at all times, and are not things we're going to talk about. So again, number one on this list, uh, get yourself a good set of T-handle style hex head wrenches. And what I mean by T-handles, there's a couple different types. And basically, instead of your, your small little folding tool, which is great, again, for carrying on your bike, they have a nice, sturdy, firm handle on the top and it makes it much easier to work on your bike. It's what we use in the shop when we're working on bikes. You can get more leverage on parts for breaking things loose or tightening things up. Some just have a T on the top of the handle, and there's just a single point that comes off of it. Other ones have two different, basically, a hardware attachment points. I don't even know what you, what you want to call it, but there's two different hex pieces. You've got one coming off of the top of the T, So you can use the entire length as leverage, uh, and then you've got uh, a longer one. So you can get into hard-to-reach places, like, say, through a wheel to reach an inner brake pad or something like that. But that's something that's very useful, highly recommend. They're not very expensive to buy a set. You do need to make sure you get a metric set. Bicycles use metric components. There are some oddball things that we randomly like to measure in inches. I don't know why but most things on bicycles are metric. I have found, just a tidbit for you, or a tip, I should say, sometimes combination sets that have both metric and standard are just cheaper than a metric-only set. I don't know why. Just something to be aware of when you're shopping around if you're looking for one of those. Uh, So that's number one, 
a nice T-handle set of hex head wrenches, most common tool you are ever going to use on any bicycle. Number two, something you should definitely have while you're riding is some sort of pump, whether it's a manual pump, a CO2 cartridge, battery pump, and those work when you're at home, but they're usually a little bit slower. They don't pump up as fast. They may not be as accurate, but those are designed for emergency situations. They're designed to be lightweight. I highly recommend having a bigger pump of some sort at home, whether that is a small air compressor, it could be just a small electric compressor. Uh, I bought one recently more for my car, but I use it at home. I pull it out of the car, goes back and forth. This really handy. You can set the pressure you want on a little display, turn it on, walk away from the bike, you know, come back 30 seconds, a minute later, whatever, and it pumps it right up to the pressure you wanted it to be at. So that's really handy. But some sort of air compressor or pump that's a, a little more heavy duty and bigger and faster, especially for those of you with fat tire bikes, much more convenient than a small hand pump of any sort. So that's the number two item on my list, something bigger to pump up your tires. Now, something that kind of goes along with that, there could be a crossover, but most likely it's going to be a separate tool, is a fork pump. Now, this only applies if you actually have an air fork or air shock on your bike, uh, which many of you do if you have either upgraded your fork or if you have just bought a bike that comes with some good components. Suspension is kind of funny because uh, you have very, very small volume of air in a rear shock, for example, or a front suspension fork, but they run at really high pressures. So you need a special pump to get them up. Like a front fork might be 150 PSI. Uh, a rear shock could be well over 200 PSI. Your standard bicycle pump is not going to cut it. And sometimes an air compressor may not have the right attachment to do that either. And also may not be able to go up quite high enough. So if you have that in mind while you're shopping for uh, the number two item on this list, the compressor, there might be something that can kind of do dual purpose for that. But if not, Fork pumps, again, very inexpensive. You can probably buy one for like 15, 20 bucks on Amazon. Uh, I've bought different brands. They all, so far for me at least, have worked about the same. Very simple little pumps. They're just designed for high pressures. Uh, and the way that they disconnect from the fork allows you to disconnect it without losing any air that you just pumped in. Uh, and that's kind of the big difference with those is the fact that they go to higher pressures. And you know, when you get that little just, when you try and disconnect, one of your pumps pumping up a tire or something, they, they are designed not to do that specifically. Because of that low volume, anything you lose, if you just pumped it up to 150 PSI, you lose a little bit of air, now it might be back down to 120. So a fork pump, really handy to have. You don't need to carry it with you because usually you just need to adjust the pressure every once in a while, top it off every several rides, a few months. It's not something you need on a regular basis. And would it be a bummer if your air pressure on your fork or your rear shock was suddenly lost on a ride? Yes, absolutely. But you could use whatever pump you have on your bike in a pinch to get it up to at least to where it's not totally bottomed out. And if it's worse problem than that, you're not going to be able to fix it with a fork pump anyway. That means you're rebuilding the fork or the shock or replacing it or something along those lines. That's the number three item is my recommendation to have in your garage shop or workshop is a fork pump of some sort. Now, also very similar to those two items, uh, something that 
I rarely, if ever, have needed. I don't think I've ever needed this while out on a ride, but very handy in the shop, especially if I'm ever having uh, problems with flats and I want to put in flat out or slime. Get yourself a good valve core removal tool. Again, super cheap. You can probably pick one of these up for like two or three dollars on Amazon. And it allows you to not only remove the valve core from your tube so you can put things in, uh, but sometimes you just might need to tighten it up. Uh, had a situation the other day, somebody came in, their tire was uh, a little bit flat. We pumped it up. It was still leaking a bit. He just needed his valve core actually tightened. And that was, that was it. So it might save you in a pinch. They are small enough, I'll admit, and light enough. Could you put that in a saddlebag? Definitely. Are you ever going to use it? Probably not. <laughs> it would be pretty rare to actually ever use that while you're out on a ride. But at home in the garage, it's great. Now, when you buy something like Flat Out, which is the product you put inside your tube, which is what I recommend over Slime or some of the other brands, it works the best. When you buy one of those, they come with a valve core removal tool with the bottle, typically, but they're usually plastic. They work for like one-time use, but if you're going to use it multiple times, eventually it's going to just wear out or, or break. So if you buy a nice little metal one, it's going to last you forever. As long as you don't lose it, that will last you a good long time. Very handy little tool to have. Highly recommended. Now, as we get into other maintenance items, uh, some of these, again, things that Super rare that you would ever need this while riding, but really handy if you notice something needs a little maintenance at home and it can save you a trip to the bike shop or potentially an expensive trip to the bike shop. Now, this is something that just about everybody could use, uh, which is a either a freewheel or a cassette removal tool. And I say removal tool, but really it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to need to change out your cassette or remove it or swap it out, sometimes every once in a while you get one that just comes loose a little bit and your gears are a little wobbly. You can't figure out why your shifting isn't quite right. And having a cassette tool on hand allows you to just tighten up your gears, cinch everything up and make sure everything is, is nice and tight. Uh, again, these are all tools that are very inexpensive with the exception of like, you know, if you're going to buy some massive air compressor, which you really don't need, you could probably buy something for 50 bucks that would be more than sufficient. But again, removal tool or cassette tightening tool, however you want to word it, that's like a $10, $15 item for most cassettes. The exception, of course, is if you are trying to tighten the Bafang motor freewheel with that motor plug and everything, but you don't actually need the tool to tighten it. (laughs) So that's something you can be prepared for. You'll know if you're going to ever need to completely remove it, you can plan ahead and order a tool. Uh, But just to tighten it, you actually don't need it for a freewheel. You can just give your bike a nice few firm pedal strokes and that will actually tighten up the freewheel. So mainly this would be useful for people with a cassette, in my opinion. But again, simple thing to have. Every e-bike or bicycle is going to probably need one at some point and it will save you a trip to a bike shop and hopefully some money in the process. Uh, Next one I've got on the list is a cable crimp. It's kind of a dual purpose tool and cable cutter. So a crimper and a cutter. On most bicycles, uh, you can have up to three or even four different cables on the bike. If you've got a front and rear derailleur, you're going to have four cables, assuming you have mechanical disc brakes. It could go all the the way down to one or even zero. Uh, Although I guess 
I missed one. If you have a seat dropper, you could have up to five cables on your bike. That's kind of an exception. That'd be a weird situation to have mechanical brakes, seat dropper. Anyway, point is there are steel cables on your bike and at the end of every steel cable, whether it's going to your brakes or a derailleur, you have a small little crimp that's placed on there and it keeps the cable from fraying. And I've seen it many, many times. The factory doesn't put them on very well. It's on there when the bike is new and it falls off. Whether it just falls off because it wasn't put on very well, or maybe you caught it on a stick or something and it kind of ripped it off. Uh, maybe your cable just starts fraying at the end from some wear and tear. You know, you hit a rock or something on a trail. I don't know. Point is, are you going to need that out on a ride? Probably not. But if you ever need to cut one of your cables a little bit shorter and recrimp it, if you try and use like some pliers or some other sort of cutoff wheel or anything to cut the cable, almost every time it's going to end up in that cable fraying and it's a nightmare. But if you go buy the one we use is from Park Tool, Cable Crimper and Cutter, it's just a tool specifically designed to cut small steel cables and it cuts them perfectly cleanly every single time. And then, like I said, it's dual purpose. So in addition to the cutter, it's also got a small spot where you can crimp a new piece on that cable as well. If you're ever going to do any maintenance, like you want to change your shifter or derailleur, or you are going to make a major change to your brakes, it's a tool you're going to need. And every once in a while, you just need it in not an emergency case, but when there's just some, some wear and tear where something happens with one of your cables. So highly recommend having it. It's just one of those things where if you got the right tool, the job is like ridiculously easy. And if you don't have the right tool, it can be a pain and really annoying. Again, another really simple thing that can save you a trip to a bike shop. Next, couple of electrical items, because we are talking about e-bikes here. I think since you have an electric bike or you're going to have an electric bike, you should have a voltmeter. If that's the only electrical tool you have for your e-bike, get a voltmeter really cheap. You can literally buy one for a few dollars at either online or Harbor Freight or anywhere. The more expensive you get of a voltmeter, of course, the more it can do and the more accurate it will be. Uh, but for most troubleshooting, you don't need anything super fancy. You just need to check voltage. Let's say your bike isn't turning on. What's the first thing we do here at the shop? Pop the battery off and see, does the battery have voltage? And if there's not a easy way to see that on the battery itself, we're putting those probes from the voltmeter right onto the contacts of the battery and checking it that way. Very, very simple thing to use, to learn how to use if you've never used one, but you got to have one. For any e-bike troubleshooting where it's a power electrical problem, definitely, definitely have a voltmeter. Uh, and, and the reason I, I wouldn't normally carry that in a saddlebag is they're usually kind of big and bulky and Odds are, if you have an electrical problem to that extent while out on a trail, you're probably going to need more tools than what you have to fix it. And you're going to be pedaling home anyway, which is the great thing about e-bikes is you can pedal them in an emergency situation. But for home troubleshooting, trying to figure out things, definitely recommend having a voltmeter on hand. Next, this, I'll admit, is one item that I probably had in the other podcast about tools to carry with you. However, I probably was specific about using this for mid-drives. If I was just driving, riding around on a hub motor bike, I probably wouldn't bother to carry this. If you have a belt drive bike, 
this doesn't apply <laughs> at all, actually. Uh, but most of us do not have a belt drive. We have a chain of some sort. And I recommend carrying a chain breaker because if your chain ever breaks, pops off, very, very handy to have one of these. There are very small, compact ones that can go in your saddlebag, but the ones that are just a little bit bigger, you have a little more leverage. They're a little easier to use, I think. Really handy if you ever need to just replace your chain. At some point, you're going to have to do that. Uh, and if you don't want to, again, make a trip to a bike shop, replacing a chain is fairly easy to do. And if you buy a new chain, it might have a master link on it, and maybe you don't even need it, but odds are the new chain you buy is going to be off by a couple of links and it's not going to be quite the right fit. Now, as a good alternative for those that are thinking you might break a chain on the trail, make up a chain in advance at home with your chain breaker tool, have the master link on it, and then if you ever do break a chain on the trail, instead of trying to pull out a chain breaker and fight with it and dealing with this on the side of a trail, you can just slip the new chain on, use the master link to pop it in literally by hand, there's some tricks on how to do that, which we don't need to get into, but that way you can have just a chain breaker at home. Eventually, this is just, it's a wear and tear item. This is something that's going to wear out, so that's why I recommend having one. So just to, to recap, I got one item left here I want to share with you guys. Number one thing, those two T-handle hex wrenches, some sort of pump or compressor, a fork pump, a valve core removal tool, which helps with both of those things a cassette spline tool so you can tighten it if you ever need to. Also good for removing if you're going to do some maintenance that way. The cable crimp cutter is a must. Definitely got to have that. Oh, and it looks like I actually skipped one. We'll jump back to that in a moment. Voltmeter, if you got to have one electrical thing, have that. Chain breaker. The other thing I did not put on, well, I put it on my list. I just skipped it for some reason. So number nine out of 10, a crank puller. Now, it's not often that you have to pull one of the cranks off, but it's one of those things where, you know, let's say you don't have a pedal wrench. You can buy a specific pedal wrench. Well, you might have a narrow crescent wrench. You might have just a 15 millimeter wrench. You might have some other tool that will get the job done in a pinch. Let's say you've got a rear hub motor. It's got 18 millimeter nuts that bolt on the rear hub motor. You don't have an 18 millimeter wrench. Again, you can grab a crescent wrench in a pinch and that will get the job done. Crank puller, however, if you really need to pull the cranks off your bike, it is a chore. It is a bear of a job to try and do without a crank puller. And that is something that every once in a while you need to do. It might be something simple, like you need to replace a pedal assist sensor. You know, it might be trying to work on your motor if it's a mid drive. Maybe you just need to replace the cranks with a different size or one wore out. You bent it because you ran into a rock, whatever it is. Uh, it's just one of those tools that if you have it, it makes the job really, really easy. And if you don't have it, sometimes it feels nearly impossible. So crank puller, that's number nine to have in your e-bike toolbox. And now number 10, this is a big one. And I don't mean that like uh, metaphorically. I mean, physically, it's just really big. <laughs> and that is some sort of bike stand. Now we sell, of course, the handlebar jacks, which work great. They're small and compact enough that can give you a way to flip your bike upside down on a trail and work on your bike without scuffing up your display and everything. So for trail use, 
Handlebar jacks are great. And they also work at home, but sometimes it's just nice to work on your bike when it's in the normal upright position. So I definitely recommend some sort of bike stand for home maintenance if that's something you're going to do. And there's different ways to go about this. There are stands you can buy that come with like the whole tripod base. They've got a clamp on it. Sometimes they have a little section for tools to go on there. And the hard part with those is depending on your e-bike, you need to make sure it can handle the weight because there are some that they're just not up to the weight of electric bikes. Uh, But there are some that can handle it. It might be depending on your bike, you got to remove your battery or cut a little weight off. But that is one option just by a ready-made bike stand that just folds out kind of a tripod scenario. There's usually four legs, not three, so they're most, more stable. And the other option is you can buy just the clamp that clamps onto your frame. And those are much, much sturdier if you buy something specific. And then what you do is you mount that to a post, a pole, if there's a beam, something in your garage that you can attach this clamp to and then put your bike on that's going to hold it up. Now, the disadvantage to any of those is you do have to lift the bike to put it on the stand, but it's really no different than lifting it to put it on your car if you ever do any traveling with it or have a bike rack. There are uh, a couple of interesting uh, other ways to go about this. There is something I've got in the shop right now, which is a, a lift, and it's kind of cool. I'll have to do a video about that and show you guys what it is. We're kind of using it for display, but it's more of a storage item. But I I could foresee there could be some specific circumstances. It could work well as a a bike stand of sorts uh, where you don't have to lift the bike up. Uh, In our shop, I'll admit we have a park tool work stand. It's electric, of course. It actually lifts the bikes up and down. It can hold a bike on each side. Really awesome, but they're super expensive. They're like a couple grand. If you really want the ultimate home e-bike shop then by all means, go for it. But I think it's a little overkill for what most people would actually need. So I would probably go for the the clamp route if you have a spot to put it, to mount it on a wall or post or something like I mentioned. And if you don't have that, just try and find your best to find one of those uh, work stands that just sits on the floor and make sure you check the specs and then it looks like it's something to handle the weight. Definitely read reviews on those as well and, and see if there's other people saying, oh, I have such and such e-bike and it works great. That's often the best way to know that it's going to work and that their weight capacity is not just some theoretical number they put on paper, because I've certainly seen things like that before. So there you have it. We're talking all about tools this week. We have some specials going on on tools on our website. So check out some of those deals. Again, area13ebikes.com. I hope this list helps. These 10 tools I mentioned are not all specific things that we sell. They're just things that I recommend and I think that you should have. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Area 13 podcast. Everything we do is about electric bikes. If you want to learn more about electric bikes from our podcast specifically, make sure to go to ebikepodcast.com. Once again, that's ebikepodcast.com. That's how you can sign up for our newsletter. We will send you new emails when new podcast episodes come out every single Tuesday. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you again soon. 